Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The size of your crystal doesn't really matter. Get something that's within your budget. Work with what you have, whatever. But you don't need to go get like a huge crystal. Having some bigger crystals around in your space is nice because they're beautiful and you can see them. And of course, that's great. But especially for doing energy work where you're putting crystals like on the body and around the body, they don't need to be huge. Hi, guys. Welcome to Authentic Talks. I'm excited that you're tuning in for this episode, you guys. We're going to be talking all about crystals on this episode. I am introducing to you one of my very first crystal teachers, and she's also a mentor of mine who I continue to learn from. I'm excited for you guys to meet her. Before we dive in with the introduction and on with the show, I do want to take a moment to welcome you personally to the show, and I'm extending an open invitation for you to come back again and again, and don't forget to hit that subscribe button, that way you won't miss an episode once I upload a show. You guys, we're talking all about crystals today, and I'm so excited about it. When I was a little girl, I loved rocks, and over the years, it evolved, and here I am today. I am now a crystal healing practitioner, and on today's episode, this is one of my first teachers. Um, She has an award-winning online school for crystal healing. She is also the the host of the Love and Light Live Crystal Healing Podcast. She is a best-selling author and speaker, and it's so much fun to be a part of her community. I'm really excited to share it with all of you. There's so many times that I'm being asked questions like, I want to learn about crystals. Can you teach me about this? And what do I do with that? And it is It is like a loaded question that would take so much time to actually teach you. It's like I can give it to you in bits and pieces, which I do, you know, but it's hard to put that on Facebook in a post, you know, and it's taken me several years to get to the point where I am today. And I continue to learn, you guys. Um, This is something that can take years Uh, Today's guest even considers herself as someone who is still learning and evolving and who does not know everything, but I look up to her and I consider her to be an expert and she is one of, again, one of my teachers. And so I'm super excited, you guys, to introduce to you today an award-winning crystal healing instructor. She is also a best-selling author, a speaker, She has several books, but I want to share with you guys that she has her most recent book is available right now on Amazon and you can find the other books there as well. It's titled The Beginner's Guide to Crystal Healing. Learn how to energize, heal and balance with crystals. Okay, you guys, let's go ahead and dive on in with today's show. Please welcome Ashley Levy to Authentic Talks. Authentic Talks is all about authentic conversations. This show is all about growth, love, respect, success, mind, body, and spirit. If you're looking to grow and become your authentic self, then this is the podcast for you. And I am your host, Shantae. Welcome to the show. Hi, Ashley. Welcome to the show. I'm really excited that you're here with me today. Thank you so much for having me, Shantae. I'm really excited to be here and have a good authentic conversation. Absolutely. I'm excited about it as well. Before we dive in, can I have you introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. So my name is Ashley Levy. I am an online crystal healing instructor. I'm also a best-selling crystal book author, uh, an international speaker and teacher, but most of my coursework is done online. I've been doing this professionally since 2007. 
Uh, so it's, it's been a minute, it's been a minute, but it's something I'm so passionate about. I love sharing about crystals and crystal healing with people all over the world and yeah, getting to talk to folks like you and have discussions about what crystals are and why they might work for healing, why we might want to try it out. What made you go in this direction? How did you find a crystal and then know that it was something to it more than just the beauty? You know, if I like really think back, it was a much longer journey than I thought. So I'll try and keep it succinct. But when I was a little kid, I spent a lot of time with my grandma and grandpa. So during the summers, I'd be at grandma and grandpa's house a lot during the day while my mom was at work. And then, you know, a lot of times I'd go there in the evenings or spend the night there once in a while. And my grandpa was so into crystals and minerals, but like, not in the kind of healy feely way. He's very scientific. Like he is like a mineral collector, you know? And, oh, okay. <laughs> but he would sit up in his office with me and show me his different crystals and tell me all about them. And I was fascinated because they were so beautiful. I think that's often what draws people in at first. Um, and the, we're talking, I was like, you know, six, seven, eight years old. Um, but he would tell me a lot about like, how they were used in industry or how they were mined or what their chemical makeup was. And I still found that stuff interesting, although I didn't grasp all of it as a kid. And when I was in maybe like third grade, he gave me a book for my birthday or Christmas. And it was all about crystals and minerals. And it was, I think it was like a Smithsonian guide. And I remember flipping through that book and it had the most beautiful pictures of all these stunning minerals but there were these little captions every once in a while, and it would talk about like the lore or history or mythology or magic of crystals throughout, you know, human history. And that was the first time I had ever been exposed to the idea that crystals maybe were a little bit more than, you know, fluorite that got mined and got put in your toothpaste or, you know, then other <laughs> minerals that were mined for their metal ore or things like that. So I was really kind of enchanted with this idea of, you know, that crystals could be kind of magical and have something about them that was more than we knew. And then, you know, I went through my teenage years and was like way too cool for any of that stuff and didn't want to hang out with grandpa and talk about crystals for a while. But when I was in my early twenties and I was in college, I was working full-time and to pay the bills, had to get another little part-time job. And I found a place near where school was. It was in walking distance of campus. And it was like a little like metaphysical bookstore. And they had some crystals and they had, you know, tarot cards and all that stuff. And I thought, hmm, like maybe I'll, I'll try and like get a job there. And I did. And that kind of rekindled my passion for crystals, just being around them, getting to see them. And we had a woman come to the store who was from Chicago and teach a workshop about crystals. And I thought, I think I want to sign up for that just for myself. Like I didn't want to do crystal healing. I didn't want to do any of that, but I'm like, just for myself. So I know how to work with them better. Cause I had been reading some books and watching some YouTubes and trying to kind of piece together how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still really confused and took this workshop with this woman and it totally changed the course of my life. I had some e amazing experiences in that workshop and I knew like, I want other people to have this. So everything kind of unfolded from there. Oh, you're really good at it too, of, of really being able to explain it and break it down. And I actually took the course and one of the things that you talked about that you talked about so many things, it's so worth it for anybody that is interested in like going in this direction. It is worth it so much. And you take us through like from how a crystal is formed from the beginning of that all the way through to, I mean, like even the shapes, because I didn't even know that the shapes mattered. You know, I was like, okay, there's some that are round, some that are kind of triangle and you, you break it down in a way where it's just like, wow, this is really good stuff. You know? Thank you so much for saying that. Yeah. There's, there's so many things about crystals that 
influence the way that we experience their energy. So, you know, a lot of times we think about like, well, what does an amethyst mean? What's the meaning behind that? Or what are the properties of a carnelian, something like that? And we get those properties from a lot of different ways. We get them from historical contexts. We get them from our own intuition and personal experience. We might get them from, you know, like messages that come through in dream work or dream healing. And then we have, you know, other people's experiences and opinions that we talk to or that we read about in books and that kind of thing. And all those kind of come together to shape and form our idea of what that crystal does. But there are other influences on that energy as well, like color, like shape, like you can have a calcite in lots of different colors and each calcite will feel a little bit different, will have a little different energy, a little bit different meaning because of the color. And then like you said, the shape too, it doesn't necessarily change like the meaning or the property of that crystal, but it does influence the way we experience that energy. Like, like you said, like the sphere might be different than a pyramid, a little triangle. We might feel them different. I have one here that I have to show you. This is like one of my first super cool. <gasps> Ooh, I don't know if you can really see it all the way because the can the way my background is. But this one is like, is this like considered as a mark? How do you say it? A mark mark um, Merkaba. It's a little know. different. So Merkaba is kind of like two three dimensional triangles stacked on top of each other. Oh, okay, that's right. And this one has, it looks like it has extra points. I've seen these called like, like a Merkaba, another name for it is a star tetrahedron, but I've seen like the shape you just showed as described as like a starburst. Okay. Is that rose quartz? Is it pink? Flower agate. Oh, Somebody, someone gave this to me as a gift because I just love crystal so much. And I was like you with, as a kid, I used to love rocks. And I know you talk about crystal fakes. Yes. You know, there's a series that you're doing, which is really good because we wouldn't know. You know, it's one of those things. Anytime something becomes popular, somebody's going to fake it, bootleg it. Like it's going to be out there, right? Mm -hmm. With the crystal fakes, it's so hard. People ask me all the time, well, how do I tell if my crystal's fake? And I wish I could give a succinct answer that would just be like a blanket statement, something you could use to check all crystals all the time. The problem is the crystals are so different and so varied and so unique that the ones that are out there being faked, they're faked in different ways. So some are misidentified, like a cheap stone being sold as a more expensive stone, mm -hmm. kind of passed off. I've um, seen that. That happens a lot. Yeah. Some are like totally fake, like made of plastic or glass <laughs> and passed off as real crystals. And then some are genuine stone, but they're enhanced in a way to make them look better. So they might be dyed. They might be heat treated. One of the most common that way is uh, citrine. It, most of the citrine that's on the market that we see is actually amethyst that was heated to turn it from purple to yellow. And so this makes the citrine kind of like a amber orange color and natural citrine that forms in the earth is kind of a smoky golden color. It's a lot more subtle, uh, but it's also more expensive. So I personally don't think there's anything wrong with working with heat treated minerals. I'm okay with it. Sometimes you get a really nice color stone that's more budget friendly than if you had to buy a natural one that way. But most of the other fakes I tend to avoid, but it takes a trained eye to kind of get used to spotting them. And I know you've been doing this for a really long time to where you're at that level where like, I think that you are a great teacher. If anybody's going to go down this path, they definitely want to go through your program because I think that it's well put together and it's not like you go through this and you're just kind of like kicked out on your own where you're just like, okay, now what? It's like you're able to keep learning and I love that there's community too. Thanks. You know, that was really important to me creating the program because like we talked about earlier, I took that like very first crystal class back in 2007. And I took a lot more classes about crystals after that. I just couldn't learn enough. But the problem back then, before we had a lot of like virtual learning and stuff was maybe you'd go to a workshop with somebody in person and you'd learn a lot and it'd be a great workshop. 
but there was no way to ask questions after. So you like go home and you try to put some of this stuff into practice and you're like, wait a minute, this experience is different or this is kind of weird or I don't understand this. And how do you like reach out and talk to somebody? So when I put together my program at the Love and Light School, it was important to have that community aspect because I know firsthand, like you need ongoing support. You need to be able to have those conversations. So we have our student group where a lot of those conversations happen just every day in our Facebook group. And then we have our office hour calls and live events where we can come together and talk about things. And honestly, I learn so much from my students every day in the group, in our calls, through the things that they're sharing. And that's one of the great things about doing anything in community rather than trying to go it on your own. Yeah, I definitely agree. You used to carry sage and Palo Santos and you discontinued that. Can we talk about that a little bit? A hundred percent. So in addition to my school, I also have a shop. Actually, the shop I mentioned earlier that I started working at in college part-time, I now own that shop. I've owned it since 2009. So for many, many years, Our shop carried both when I was an employee there and when I had a business partner. And then after she retired and I took it over on my own, we carried Palo Santo. We carried White Sage. A lot of people would come in asking for it. I truly, honestly never gave it a second thought. And after starting to listen to a lot of Indigenous activists, a lot of Indigenous community leaders and elders who were calling for white folks like myself in particular, to stop working with white sage, I listened. It took me a while to really understand that the reason was not exclusionary. The reason is because this is a closed practice. And unless you're invited into that cultural practice, unless you're invited into that to take place in working with those medicines, then it's not something that you should really be doing. And this is like the conclusion I came to after listening to a lot of people. The other thing I want to be clear about is that, you know, anyone who's done any anti-racism work, anything like that, anti-oppression work knows that all indigenous voices are not going to be a monolith, right? So there are going to be people out there that say, well, I don't mind that. And there's going to be people out there that say, I really don't like it. Please don't do it. And so the conclusion I came to eventually is Well, even if there's some people out there saying, it doesn't bother me, it's okay. If there are some people out there going, you know what? No, this is hurting me. This is harmful to me. Then why would I want to be participating in that practice? And how spiritual is that practice really if it's harmful to people? So it wasn't only just about working with those plant medicines in my personal practice. It was also the way in which I was profiting from the sale of those things. And as a white person in that position of societal power over, it really did not feel okay for me to sell those things within my community or to use those things in my personal spiritual practice. I know this is like a hot button issue. Everyone comes Mm -hmm. to a different conclusion about it. But for me, I just was like, okay, after that reflection time, that learning and understanding, that was where I ended up. And I just didn't want to perpetuate that harm. So we had a really big supply of white sage and Palo Santo at my shop at that time. And I thought, well, what are we going to do with this? I don't want to sell it. I don't necessarily like want to give it away to largely other white folks in my community who are buying it, right? So we found an organization in Canada that was working with formerly incarcerated Indigenous women who were looking for donations of things like white sage. So we actually sent our whole supply up there um, so that that medicine could be returned to the community. I could not find an organization that did anything similar that would have been connected with cultural peoples who use Palo Santo. It just wasn't something that I could find. Mm -hmm. But what we're doing instead is we're selling the Palo Santo that we have in stock until it completely runs out. 
And a hundred percent of that money, not like a hundred percent of the profit, but a hundred percent of that money we're donating to an organization called FECA now, which F-E-C-O-N-A-U are the initials. And I can't remember what that stands for, but it's basically um, a, a collective of indigenous forest defenders who are looking for support, financial and otherwise, to defend their ancestral lands in Central and South America. So every quarter, so every three months, we go through, we figure out how much Palo Santo we sold, how much money that comes out to, and we make that financial contribution of 100% of that to this organization. That's really awesome how you listen to your intuition or, you know, you let yourself, your spirit guide you and did what was best for you. Thanks. You know, like, like I said, not everyone agrees. I can't make a decision that's going to be perfect for everyone. I still have a a lot of folks all the time who don't understand why we discontinued that in my shop. There's, you know, a lot of pushback from folks who are like, well, no one can own a plant. Why can't I just use this? But all I can do is kind of sit with all that and go, I can't make everyone happy. But at the end of the day, this is a decision that feels right. And continue to listen and continue to learn and see what I'm guided to do in the future. You have a great piece back there. Is that amethyst behind you? This one? Wait, yeah. no, you can't. Oh yeah, this one? Yeah, this is amethyst. This is really cool. This is actually- Yeah, it actually, it, it is. I think it's from uh, Columbia. Oh, that's that gorgeous. Cool? Yes. Wow, so that's this, a beauty. It's called an celestial formation, or sometimes people will call it like a not a cathedral, but like a library cathedral or a pineapple formation. It kind of looks oh, like the Oh, yeah. I could see that. Wow, that is gorgeous. Thanks. The weird ones. <laughs> yeah, those are that's cool. Does it matter? Does size matter when you're working with someone for a crystal healing session? That is such a good question. Such a good question. Because I think a lot of people think like, does this little crystal really have like the energy that I need, the like the power. Yeah. <laughs> um. So my personal opinion is that for the most part, as a general statement, the size of your crystal doesn't really matter. You know, get something that's within your budget, work with what you have, whatever, but you don't need to go get like a huge crystal. Having some bigger crystals around in your space is nice because they're beautiful and you can see them. And of course that's great. But especially for doing energy work where you're putting crystals like on the body and around the body, they don't need to be huge. For the most part, tumbled stones Mm -hmm. are great for this, like so good for this, because if you put a really big crystal on the body. Like that one, that would hurt. (laughs) Yeah, that would hurt. It'd be uncomfortable. On the flip side, you want to try to avoid the ones that are so small. It's like working with a little crumb and then it gets lost in the folds of your clothes or, (laughs) yeah, you know, but for the most part, I don't think the size matters because crystals work through a combination of two different things. The energy that they have inherently, and then our intention. So when we kind of guide and direct that energy with our intention, even a little crystal can work just as well as a big one. That's good stuff. So whenever we were working with our crystals, we do have our our energy centers. Are you picking your crystals that you want to work with based off of like the chakras or is it just what you feel that you want to work with? Yeah, this is a good question too. I think This is something that's definitely shifted in my practice over the years. I think when I first started, I was a lot more chakra oriented in Mm -hmm. my choosing and selection of things, because especially at the time when I was learning, this is how a lot of the books, the training materials, the YouTube videos are oriented, right? Mm -hmm. You'll even still see now in like almost any crystal book. If it talks about a crystal, it'll tell you like the chakra correspondence. And so for me personally, that was something I followed for a long time, but I really feel just like, just like traditional medicine, sometimes Western medicine kind of forgets to look at the whole person. I think we almost like went down this rabbit hole where we forgot to look at the whole person, the whole energy body, 
by addressing only the chakra centers. Further, in that discussion we were just having about cultural appropriation, I'm really struggling in my personal practice with how I feel about working with the energy centers that is rooted in practice from India. Um, so I, you know, I, it's something I think about a lot, like it's a great model, but I've also learned in recent years, kind of a lot of what we think we know about the chakras isn't really authentic to those cultural traditions. Like the color correspondence and the crystal correspondence I've learned just recently, all that was like kind of created in the 1980s. What? I know it blew my mind <laughs> because we're presented this information. Like it's this like ancient practice and the chakra system. Yes. Is thousands of years old, but the way that we think about it is really, really new. Um, and a lot of that came from appropriated misconceptions of what those energy energy centers were by white folks. And that was like, mind-blowing to me so I'm still in this place where I'm trying to figure that out yeah. <laughs> and I had a great answer but because of that I've kind of I think rather than just accepting like this is how we do this practice I've been thinking more about why do we do this practice this way in crystal healing why do we use these energy centers and what are we missing out on by kind of like locking ourselves into this one way of doing things with Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So I've shifted back into more um, just listening to my intuition and my inner guidance during the session and scanning the whole body. So kind of feeling the energy with my hands paying attention to anything that draws my attention, instead of locking myself into those seven main chakra centers, thinking about what's going on everywhere in the, in yeah. the physical body and the aura and placing crystals where it seems like they need to go. So if I feel, for example, let's say there's like a lot of heat or electrical energy at the area of the left knee. Well, that wasn't one of those seven main energy centers, but you better believe I'm going to pay attention to that still. And I might place a crystal that's kind of calming, soothing, cooling for an area that felt kind of hot and excited. So maybe I'll put something like a blue calcite or a blue lace agate there, um, just based on kind of that correspondence and, and balancing that energy out. So it's definitely shifted. I definitely used to be a lot more rooted into like, this is how this is done. And I've allowed myself to kind of explore a little bit more and, and ask a lot more questions. Oh, I love that. What I loved is that you're continuing to learn because I've heard stories where people will learn and then that's it, you know, like where they don't continue the education or experimenting of it and they just know what they know. And what I know is what I know. And that's what you need to know. And that's all you need to know kind of thing, you know? So I think that that's really good. Thanks. So that's it's important. Like, I think we should always keep learning and keep growing. And especially as someone who is teaching and educated and leading others, you know, there was a while admittedly where like the amount of knowledge that I had on this topic, like truly it, it kind of went to my head. I'll say like, oh, I feel like I'm an expert, you know, but then you keep peeling back the layers and you go, there's so much more that I don't know about this than I do know. 
and um it's pretty humbling and I think it's important to like keep that in mind and to hear you say that it makes me even more like uh (laughs) because I'm like you've been doing this for a really long time and I'm still like considered as new you know and I love the fact of the way that you share your knowledge you're not stingy with it that's important to me too like with the school a couple years ago my team and I sat down and I was like okay what is the approach that we have to sharing this information? How can we meet our mission, which is to get this information into the hands of people while at the same time, like I am running a business, right? And it's not like I'm trying to get rich, but I got to pay my bills. Yeah. So so we have kind of a three-tiered approach. So every, almost every week, I try really hard to make it every week. I don't always get there because I'm human, but I try to do a new blog post article, podcast episode, and video. Sometimes it's a short video. Sometimes it's a longer video. But free education is really important to me. Um, And then sometimes I'll go be on other folks' podcasts like I am with you today. Uh, And then we have a free training that we offer a couple times a year. So it's actually a a mini series of class videos. We rotate through different ones that we do, but usually two or three times a year, we try and do some more in-depth training than what you would normally find on a blog or YouTube. And then we have the program, which is paid, um, but that allows me to do all the other work that I do that's free, that's unpaid labor through the whole year. And so it's kind of that three-tiered approach that, has helped me share a little bit more. And, and, you know, the thing is, this should be accessible to everyone. Everyone should be able to learn about crystals. Um, And I think, yeah, having some of those resources, educational resources available that are accessible is really important, you know, so doing the articles and podcast interviews is something I'm really passionate about. And I really enjoy it because a lot of times this is someone's first introduction to this topic. Yeah, absolutely. I think that you have enough information out there that like is it's a great starting point for people. It's I mean, it's beyond that, actually, like between the YouTube and like, it's just really good stuff. And then when you get into the course, the way that it's structured is like it's made where you can afford it because you can do like monthly payments. You don't have to like just go straight out and just pay all the money up front if you don't have it if it's still set up that way it is yeah okay that's that's something else that's important and then we have scholarships available as well so we do partial scholarships and full scholarships I actually just had our community manager pull a report for me yesterday I was like how many scholarships did we give out last year and it was 58 scholarships which was yeah that I I love I love getting to share all that information, but it, you know, it is, it's folks who are enrolling in the course and, and paying for the course that helps like provide that ability for me to be able to share all that free information with everyone. So uh, it's pretty cool. And then we have like, I always forget to talk about this, but we have smaller classes too, just on like different topics. Like I have a workshop all about crystals for working with tarot. And I have one about crystals for working with the moon and things that are still related to crystals, but that kind of branch out into some other topics that I'm really passionate about too. How to clean your crystals, like using the moon or charge cleaning them or charging them. Can we clarify that? Yeah. So this is another good question. This it's kind of both. So some people use the moon for cleansing their crystals, which is basically like, if you think about a crystal, it has the ability to receive and store and transmit energy. And so it's surrounded by energy all the time, just like we are. And it picks up on that energy all the time, just like we do. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sure you can relate and everyone listening can relate. If you've been in a chaotic environment or a really negative environment, it's going to impact you, right? Right. You might be a little crabby. You might be a little exhausted. Right. (laughs) Well, I think in some ways, the same thing kind of happens with our crystals. If they're exposed to a lot of that outside energy, that's just kind of chaotic and all over the place, they pick up on that. And because they are uh, receivers and amplifiers of energy, when they pick up on that outside energy, that's like not for your highest good, 
they need to be cleansed regularly, kind of as like pushing a reset button, getting them back to their calm state, right? Right. So every so often we have to cleanse our crystals in the moon is one way to do that is really easy. You can, it doesn't even have to be like outside or in direct moonlight. You just put them in your windowsill overnight, let them kind of have their time to have that reset button pushed and they'll be feeling really good in the morning. But at the same time, there's this other thing called charging crystals. And this is something I've really like changed my thinking on over the years too. Most of like the old school teaching about crystal charging and by old school, I mean like 80s, 90s era um, is kind of like, it explains crystals like uh, here I have a pink amethyst. Oh, it that's beautiful. Thank you. I love this stone. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen one before. Like, oh, it's you know, helpful. like that look like that. Yes. I like when they have these little kind of caverns. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. Thanks. So people say, you know, like, okay, we work with our crystals and we deplete the energy. And so it needs to be recharged like a battery. I used to think that way because like, that's what everybody said. And that's what I learned, but I've never actually had that experience. So again, going back to asking that question of like, well, why do we charge our crystals and why do we do things this way? Like, why do we charge it? Because it's like been depleted, but I've never actually felt that. I've felt it when the crystal's a little off and it needed to be cleansed. I've never felt it where it's depleted. So mm. what is charging really? I still do charging, but I think of it differently. So rather than like recharging a battery, I think about it more as adding like an extra type of intention in. So going back to your example of charging with the moon, the moon goes through all these different phases and each phase is connected with a different type of energy. So for example, the full moon is great for manifestation and abundance and completion and intuition. So if there was one of those energies that I really wanted to work with, with my crystals, I might charge my crystal in the full moon energy by, again, just leaving it in the windowsill, let exposing it to that energy of the full moon. Or if I had a new project I was working on, maybe I'd want to put it under the light of the waxing crescent moon because that's about new beginnings and increasing energy and growth and new projects. So you can kind of think about it like, what is it that you want to connect with and charge your crystals with that energy? And you can do that with different phases of the moon. You can do that with different flowers or plants or herbs, thinking about their kind of more magical correspondences. So if you wanted something for love, maybe you'd put your crystal in a dish of rose petals. Mm -hmm. um, it can be fresh or dried or whatever, but there are a lot of different ways to bring those extra qualities or types of energy into our crystal work. So if we have eight phases of a moon and someone wanted to actually do that where they're putting it out there, what would be like eight crystals you would recommend they use? Oh, this is a good question. Okay. So, so I have a whole book about this. It's called Cosmic Crystals. And I walk people through the different moon phases, the moon when it's in different zodiac signs, stuff like that. But I really think about kind of the meaning and purpose behind each phase and choose a crystal that seems good. So for the new moon, we have this kind of like new energy. I love black moonstone because the new moon is typically like um, fully dark or almost fully dark mm -hmm. and black moonstone is similar it's like kind of dark and mysterious but it still has this little bit of flash or shine just like the moon so that's my favorite for the new moon the next is the waxing crescent phase and this is like where things just start to kind of grow and expand so crystal like green aventurine is good for that then we get to the first quarter where the moon is like split in half. One side is light and one side is dark. And so this is a good time for balance. So a crystal like snowflake obsidian is perfect for that. And then it continues to grow and we get into the waxing gibbous where it's like almost full, but not quite yet. And we're like at that peak time for manifestation and things like that. So amethyst is really good. 
when we hit the time of the full moon and we're in that time of fullness, completion, intuition, that I love Labradorite. And then after the moon is full, it starts to wane. It goes into the waning phase where the light starts to decrease. So then we're in the waning gibbous where it's almost full, but now it's a little bit dark again. It's starting to go back toward the new moon. So this is where we're starting to kind of like integrate and wind things down. So a calming crystal, like a blue calcite or blue lace agate is good. Then we get to the third quarter or last quarter. Again, it's half light and half dark, but on the opposite side is in the first quarter. Looking at something like balance, I love like a black tourmaline for this phase. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Then we have the waning crescent. So there's just a little sliver of light. It's almost back to dark. That's this- where it looks super cool. That when you see that one in the sky, you're like, well, all of the the moon is amazing altogether. But when I see that one, I try to go out there and take pictures. They yeah, that's show up though. It does look cool. <laughs> yeah. Why why don't our iPhones pick up on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't. I'm out there like, and I'm like, can you tell that it's in my husband's like, no. <laughs> capture the radiance so yeah that's that really cool little sliver I love the way that looks too I'm so glad you said it's like one of my favorites and this is the time where we're just we're getting to the end of the cycle so it's all about slowing down letting go and release so something like black obsidian smoky quartz anything that you know you're ready to kind of release and let go of that's a good time to work on that and all of this information they can find it in your book Yeah. So it's in my cosmic crystals book. You can get that anywhere books are sold. And I also have a blog post about this too, over at loveandlightschool.com. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. I think that you are doing a great job. I love what you're doing. I say, keep on going, keep educating us because it's good stuff. I mean, like I was always attracted to rocks as a kid. And then as I grew older I seen crystals but I would say oh you know they're too expensive I can't afford that oh maybe one day and it's like I stayed away and never walked into a shop really because I just automatically thought you have to have a lot of money to get a crystal (laughs) you know there are definitely some very expensive ones out there and there's some expensive shops out there too yeah but a lot of tumbled stones you can get for a buck or less and like it's so nice to be able to work with a crystal like that. But I also want to encourage folks, like think to what you just told me when you were a kid, you'd go out and come home, right? With like a rock that you yeah. found outside, you have crystals in your pockets, probably still. <laughs> Those kind of stones too, we can also work with. I, I, I know it seems like we have to have these shiny, pretty ones, but Um, I have a very dear friend who's a crystal author himself. His name is Nicholas Pearson. We talk about this all the time. He calls this like reconnecting with the humble stone, right? So that humble stone that's in our backyard, he talks about how, you know, yeah, he has some really expensive, really nice crystals, but he is not above picking up a cool piece of gravel out of the parking lot at Costco. Like, (laughs) right. (laughs) When you're drawn to those rocks and stones and crystals, it's like, I think it's like a forever thing where you'll walk by and you go, did you see, see that little sparkly down there? And you pick it up and you're like, and, and it's so amazing because all the kids are the same way. They love them. And I'm yeah. like, that's my clear quartz. Put that down. <laughs> you know, because I, I bought, I found one that was like a tower. And I don't want them to think that you can run around here and play with it. I don't mind the tumble stones. It's like, go ahead, you know? Yeah. Kids are so attracted to the tumble stones too, because they just feel good to hold. They're so tactile and they're smooth and yeah. And they're, and they're kid size, right? They're little. Yeah. (laughs) Have you worked with men in crystal healing? Like where they're the, the actual practitioner where you're teaching them to do that? 
Definitely. Yeah, I think most of our students identify as women, um, but I think we do have uh, definitely some men students as well. And some are learning to be practitioners. I've also had men who are clients. I've had men who were my teachers along the way. I do think it's an industry that's predominantly women, but I'd say there's probably, if I had to guess, maybe like 10% men kind of doing this work out there. So if you're a guy tuning in, you don't have to be afraid to reach out to Ashley to explore the program um, because it's open to everyone. No discrimination. I love it. You know, I I think like people get stuck in those like gender binary thinking that like, you know, oh, this might not be for me. This is like a woman's thing. But truly, like anyone can benefit from this work. When that person tuning in walks into a shop that has never been in that shop before, they know nothing about crystals. How do they know what to buy? Yes, this is a really good one too. So in my shop, a lot of times folks will come in with like a specific list, right? Like they're like, the internet told me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or like TikTok told me. Yes. So there's nothing wrong with that, right? But I think you'll find so much more benefit and so much more joy if you let your intuition kind of guide you a little bit. So if you're going into a shop, maybe pause, take a deep breath, get yourself kind of grounded, and then stand in front of wherever they have their crystals and close your eyes for just a second. Take one deep breath in and open your eyes and kind of just let your eyes fall on all the crystals and see what stands out because the things that you are kind of called to the things that are pulling you in or capturing your attention, there's probably a reason. And I always have folks at my store try this. Like if they're like, can you give me a crystal for love? I'll say, well, there are crystals that are for love, right? We could look at something like rose quartz or rhodochrosite. They're, they're usually connected with love, but just let yourself kind of browse the crystals, see what stands out. And I I will always remember this one customer in particular um, who was asking this exact question, like, what do you have for love? And I'm like, well, there are some things I could recommend, but why don't you see what you're attracted to? The thing that she was most drawn to was citrine. And so I was like, okay, that's so interesting. So citrine isn't normally connected with love per se, but it's about self-confidence and inner strength and willpower. And she was like, oh my God, I just went through a horrible breakup. And I thought that what I wanted was a new partner. I thought I wanted to manifest like new love into my life. But she's like, really, I realized that I need to work on me. I need to heal myself. I need to feel more confident and then I'll draw the right partner in. And I was like, this is exactly what it's about. And this is why it's so important to kind of just pay attention to what you feel called to, what you feel drawn to, because there's usually a really good reason for it. Yeah, I think that is absolutely the best advice. You know what I use my crystals for? I journal and I'll bring them into the space. I like doing that sometimes like sitting outside or... I did not know we had that in common. That makes me so happy. Oh, that's cool. Outside. I do. And I'll sit out there, light a candle, right? And I'll pick up a crystal, which everyone speaks to me at that time. And, and I write, get it off my chest. And sometimes I'll carry them. Pockets. Yeah. (laughs) And then I'll just pull it out later on. And I'm like, felt really good today. Good energy. And, um, and then I've had it where I've had them with me and I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but I feel good. But everybody else around me seems really upset. And it it was almost like as if I was in a protective bubble or something and it was not hitting me, but all around me. So that is such a good point. They they can do so much energetic shielding for us. They provide so much support. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, like, isn't that just the placebo effect? Isn't that just, and my thing is, here's the thing. I'm not here to convince anyone that they work. But I would encourage everyone to just try it out and be open to the experience that you have, because we might not be able to fully understand or explain what's going on. But we also can't deny the fact that so many people have had these amazing experiences with crystals. And at the end of the day, if ultimately it is the placebo effect, I don't even care. Because yeah, same. It's working. 
Absolutely. I agree a thousand percent. If you were cooking a meal and you had a choice of having just salt and pepper, or maybe you could have like that other seasoning, like that Creole seasoning, or it's like adding in extra layers of flavor. Yeah, why would you not want that? Yeah. (laughs) You guys, all of the information for Ashley is in the show notes. Be sure to pick up the book, subscribe to YouTube. The name of the podcast is called Love and Light Live Crystal Healing Podcast. And then the name of the school is the Love and Light School of Crystal Therapy. You can find it at loveandlightschool.com. I really appreciate you coming on and hanging out with me. This is like one of my dream, if that's the right word. I wrote this down. I had heard you on a podcast and and then I stalked you for a while. <laughs> I was like, let me go find her over here. Let me go over here. And and I watched in the background and I still watch in the background even now. Like I'm there sometimes when there's like the different things going on or either I'll watch the replay. I'm just there. I appreciate that so much. And yeah, you know, there are a lot of folks that like just want to kind of hang out and listen and learn. And there are some that are really outspoken. And the thing is like, that's one of the things that I think makes the community so great is just having everyone come together and kind of do their own thing. And we all learn together. So Shantae, thank you so much for having me here today. Like it has been so much fun just hanging out and talking about crystals with you. Until next time, crystal blessings. (laughs) Crystal blessings. Thank you so much, Ashley, for coming on Authentic Talks. I really enjoyed the talk with you. And I hope that you're open to coming back again so we could talk a little bit more about crystals. You guys, all of the information for Ashley is located in the show notes. And I hope that you find value in this episode. Please be sure, again, to share with family members and friends. Visit Amazon to review the catalog of books that Ashley has available and visit her website where you can find additional information about the School of Love and Light, Crystal Therapy, and you can also find her podcast as well as a blog and free resources are available for you to download today. If you're someone that's new to crystals, one of the things I would like to leave you with is most people ask, What do I do with this crystal? And I want to share with you that the crystals have certain energies. And so you can just have it in your space to start. You can have it just for the beauty. You can place it in an area where you're sleeping. You could place it in an area where all of your family members will gather. Um, For example, rose quartz would be a great one because we know that that is a love vibration and it's great for your bedroom, it's great for your kitchen, your living room, and just have it in the area. And it's okay to hold them, you're not going to break them. And so I wanna leave you with that. I love affirmations. And one of the things that is a really great thing to do with your crystals is to hold them and state affirmations out loud. We'll talk about that more because we're going to be talking a lot more about crystals throughout the season of Authentic Talks 2.0. If you're someone that's in Arizona, I look forward to one day seeing you in person at one of my book signings or at the pop-up shop. You guys, stay positive. It is so important throughout these times now that we find things that bring us joy. And if crystals is one of those things that brings you joy or assists in that joy, go for it. Again, the name of the school is called Love and Light School of Crystal Therapy. And one of my takeaways from today's episode is that the size of the crystal does not matter. All right, be sure to take care of yourselves and each other. I'm sending you all tons of positive energy. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I'm Shantae with Authentic Talks.